the thought that came into my mind in that moment was, this is not about Jesus. This is Jesus. And then my heart just started racing because I knew what that meant. If Jesus has revealed himself to me, there's only one right response to that. Welcome to the I Am Here podcast, a space to be inspired by stories of men and women who have found in the Eucharist the strength and purpose for their lives. I'm your co-host, Leah Butalid, and I've been gathering stories for I Am Here. And I'm Father Mario Amore, a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit, and today we welcome our guest, Anthony Fiola, to share his story. Welcome, Anthony. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're so glad to have you. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your life here in Detroit? What parish are you a part of? So I'm actually a member of Christ the King in Ann Arbor, but don't awesome. tell anybody. That's okay. in the Lansing <laughs> Diocese. But um, Your secret is safe uh, here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what brought me to Detroit was actually I was I accepted a position at Our Lady of Good Counsel in awesome. Plymouth okay. as the Director of Evangelization, which was about four years ago, a little over four years ago. So that's what brought me and my family here. And then a little over six months, I... Uh, accepted a position in the Archdiocese of Detroit. So now I'm down downtown in yes. the Chancery. Love it. Okay. So good. So, what does your work consist of in the Chancery? So the official title is Associate Director of Discipleship Formation. So just to keep it direct, <laughs> making disciples okay. of Jesus. Good. You know, through many different ways, but the the goal is to obey the same command that Jesus gave back in Matthew 28 and Mark 16, mm-hmm. to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to so make good. disciples. So that's what I do. Beautiful. And so your most important job is as a husband and as a father. Correct. So tell us a little bit about your family. Yeah, so Anna and I, <coughs> excuse me, have been married 23, almost 23 years. We have been blessed with five children, four girls and a boy. Wow. So the ages range from <coughs> 20 all the way down to seven. So fun. So uh, two in college at Franciscan University in Steubenville, and we homeschool. Oh. The, uh, we've homes- actually homeschooled all the children throughout, throughout the years. So. Wow. But Amazing. yeah, I always tell everybody, usually when people ask me what I do, I say, well, I'm mainly a husband and a dad. Mm-hmm. But on the side, I <laughs> do some Make stuff, disciples. You know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put that in. I love it. Very cool. Well, we are so excited to dive into your story um, a little bit further. Um, we're so grateful that you would have shared it on IamHere.org. Um, and so kind of to just break things open, can you tell us a little bit about um, your faith life growing up and um, and what that looked like um, as you moved into high school and young adulthood? Yeah. So I grew up in a Catholic home. Uh, I always tell everybody it was a very nominal Catholic home, like many. Uh, so we went to Mass, and we knew about the Lord, but we didn't know Him mm. in, in a deep and intimate way. So went through the motions like many other Catholics at the time, but our life exemplified a life of worldliness and just living like anybody else in the mm. world. So when I was in about third grade, my parents sat down and told us they were going to be splitting up. And at that point, we all left the church. You know, mm. we left the church, we left the Lord. And for me personally, about a six-year, seven-year period there from the time I was in third grade till about sophomore in high school, I was completely unchurched. Mm -hmm. We didn't go to church anywhere. There was no faith in the home, no practicing of it, until some of our beloved brothers and sisters from the Protestant world, there was this one guy who had grown up in a home. His dad was atheist. His mom was 
a Christian, but his life was a mess and he encountered Jesus through the preaching of the gospel and he took it on as his project to evangelize my family, starting with my older brother. And he really just proclaimed it, you know, what we Catholics call the kerygma. Mm -hmm. He proclaimed it very boldly, very clearly to us. And that is when I came back to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's when those, looking back now, I can say those baptismal graces flowered. Mm -hmm. They came to life in me and I encountered Jesus wow. in a very real way at that, at that point and wanted to live as a disciple. So I started reading scripture every day. I started praying every day. I started asking the Lord to please use me, Lord. I want mm -hmm. to live a life that is completely unconditionally surrendered to you. And that led to a, a life of mission and evangelization in high school at the time. When I was 16, I stepped out for the very first time to share the gospel with somebody, one of my friends. And it was like a ripple effect that's never stopped, mm. you know, from that yeah. point until now. So those last two years of high school, I was a very on-fire Christian for the Lord, you know, in a cool. non-Catholic context. Sure. I wasn't in the Catholic Church at the time, but had met Jesus, wanted to live by His Word mm -hmm. and do whatever that meant. So this conversion moment, that happened around sophomore year of high school for you? Mm -hmm. Okay. Correct. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. And how did others react to this? I mean, members of your own family and and uh, classmates? Yeah, so it was, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of the same friends I did back then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was mixed. Mm. You know, some of my friends received the gospel during that time when I shared mm. shared the Word of God. But some didn't understand it at all and would kind of distance. You know, mm -hmm. that was a season of life, as it is for, I think, many mm -hmm. in, the, in that season in high school. Wow. Incredible. And just as we share all of the different stories, it's, it's beautiful to see how just the Lord use, uses different people and circumstances um, in, in our lives to uh, just bring us closer to himself. And so what a gift it was that um, your friend had uh, just the courage and, and was just attentive to the power of the Holy Spirit in his own life to, to preach, as you said, the, the kerygma to you. Um, what, what, what was that like or what did it sound like um, or how did he do it? Very boldly. <laughs> he didn't hold back. So it actually began, he, he worked at a, a taco restaurant, like a fast food taco restaurant with my older brother. Oh my gosh. And would take his breaks on purpose to evangelize my older brother. and. He, number one, he prayed, he interceded for us mm -hmm. all the time. I know that now, you wow. know, and, and then he, he basically just told us how much God loved us. Mm -hmm. He told mm -hmm. us that we had fallen into sin because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. He preached Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. He didn't shy away from mentioning that to us. And he said, but here's the good news. God sent Jesus God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he made it very personal. Mm -hmm. So this means you. Mm. He came for you. And he said, but you have to respond to the gospel. Let me show you how. Mm. And he just, he led us to the Lord in prayer like that. Wow. And to be honest, to this day, that is a, a theme in my life, whether I'm talking to somebody on the street about the Lord or sharing the gospel to very educated Catholics or mm -hmm. Christians. You know, it's the simple message of the gospel, that initial proclamation of it, yeah. that through that, when we receive that, we hear that, we receive that, we repent of our sins and we come to Jesus, we encounter the real Jesus through that. And 
that's how he did it. And mm-hmm. there's so many testimonies mm-hmm. from that season of life of young men that were just far from the Lord yeah. that came to him mm-hmm. through this guy's witness. Wow. That's why we make such a big deal about personal witness, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> uh, so that souls can can mm-hmm. come to the Lord and be saved. And so, Amen. yeah, yes. I, th- what a what a blessing that that the Lord put uh, this this young man in your path at that point in your life. To, yeah, I thank God for him all the time. Yeah. still to this day, you know, he has passed on now, okay. but oh. at an early age. But such a man of God mm. that you know, an unknown man of God. Mm that just followed the Lord with all of his heart. Mm -hmm. Wow, what a gift. Yeah. So you mentioned then those last two years of high school, you were living a life dedicated to the Lord and and sharing this good news. Um, What else kind of changed for you in those initial years and then moving beyond high school um, in terms of the way you were living your life? Yeah, so I mentioned a little bit already, you know, my life, the priority of my life became really my my prayer life, my devotional life Mm -hmm. with the Lord, getting up early. I started getting up early in the mornings (laughs) as a teenager to seek the Lord, Mm. to pray, to ask Him to help me. During that time, too, uh, there was just a real hunger for more of the Holy Spirit in my life. Mm. And that came from just reading Scripture. Mm. I was reading, nobody was teaching me this. I mean, I saw it through the example of some of these guys that we were around at the time. Um, But I was reading the Scriptures and I was reading what Jesus said in John 14, 15, and 16 about the Holy Spirit and what he says in Luke 11 about asking, seeking, knocking for the Holy Spirit, and especially the Acts of the Apostles. And as I was reading these things, I just said, Lord, I want this in my life. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And it became a real desperate cry for more of the Holy Spirit. And when that happened, and Jesus touched me with the power of the Holy Spirit during those years, which thrusted me into a whole a, a life of mission mm-hmm. and holiness and prayer that have never stopped. So that really became my life during those last years of high school and then answered the call of the Lord to go to a Bible school wow. in Sweden overseas <laughs> after high school. And oh so then mission became very international at that point. But I went to a Bible school and... It was actually in that Bible school where these seeds of Eucharistic revival started to come mm-hmm. into my life, but it was a long journey. Wow, wow. And then, um, so what took place next? How, uh, how did you go from this experience in Bible school to then living a life, you know, totally on mission, um, especially with your wife and your family? Yeah, so I actually, I met my wife in this Bible school. Okay. And so this was ba- way back in the late 90s. Wow. Give you some time perspective there. <laughs> we were the only two from Indiana. It was an international Bible school in Sweden. Six, 60 plus nations were a part of this Bible wow. school. And you didn't know each other before going? Nope. No, okay. we, had cro- we had probably crossed paths because okay. I had visited her Funny. home church in Indiana without knowing who she was. <laughs> and we met on orientation day in Bible school. And for the next year, we, we hardly even hung out together. Oh my <laughs> God. We were friends, and we, we knew each other and, you know, had mutual friends, but we didn't. There was no, no romance uh-huh. at that point, you know. So it actually, I stayed for the second year of Bible school, mm-hmm. and she came back home who, and to help her parents, who are Protestant pastors. And it was when I was back in the States, the 
another year after that somewhere, you know, we're talking about two or three year period there. That's when I, you know, fell in love with her basically. Mm. And Mm. we were married, we got married in the year 2000. Okay. Right after a mission trip, you know, I'd led a team overseas. She was on the team. Okay. Came back home, we got married. so it's, ask me that question again. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'm getting this into is great. the weeds. Here. No, I love the weeds. These are great. So, so pretty much what happened next? Then you guys are married. You. It sounds like you had done some international mission work up to that point. Um, yeah. How did that look for you two in your marriage um, in terms of serving uh, internationally? Yeah. So we. Most of the international mission work that I'm kind of talking about now mm-hmm. was happening before we got married. Okay. And then came back to the States, and in the year 2000, we got married. And mission continued in a local context. Sure. You know, as a married couple, being involved with her parents' church, which is a non-Catholic church. Um, so it happened on the streets. It happened through knocking on doors, you know, yeah. all that kind of thing where we would evangelize. But at the same time, this international call to mission has never mm-hmm. gone away. It's always mm-hmm. come in spurts or in a, a more intense season Mm -hmm. and so her and I have always been open to it in whichever way the Mm -hmm. Lord opens that door for us Mm -hmm. and your children were were with you in in some of these places right as you were on mission no actually no okay in 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 the states yes okay okay. so I once we got married we didn't live overseas most trips have been just like short-term trips or you know a couple weeks at a time okay okay um, okay, and so in, in what you shared with us on in on IamHere.org, you talked about um, serving in a Muslim country and being particularly impacted by that experience. Can you kind of unpack what took place there? Yeah, so what happened, if I remember the story and what I wrote, I'd, um, <laughs> we, in this whole process of reversion to the Catholic Church, yeah. my wife and I, we're praying and discerning moving our family to Turkey to do mission. Okay. But this was at a moment where I was not back home in the Catholic Church yet, Mm. but the Lord, after many years, had been drawing me. So we were kind of in this moment where the Lord is drawing me back to the Catholic Church, and we have this call to mission. What do we do? Yeah. This is what was going on. So we actually were in the process of fundraising. Yes, getting ready to move our whole family overseas. Okay. To Istanbul, Turkey. And had given our yes to the Lord to do that. We're really praying and discerning it and very close to going for it. Mm -hmm. But it was right in the midst of that time where this revelation of Jesus in the Eucharist happened. Wow. And I was actually in Turkey by myself at this time, kind of going ahead to get some things prepared and really praying still, trying to seek the Lord about it all. And I took the final day of that trip and I just fasted and prayed that whole day. And that was when it it just became very clear that, no, it's not time to do this. Wow. It's time to come back home to the Catholic Church. And that's a whole, that's a big story. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. (laughs) So we actually, I've been over to Turkey a couple times okay. you know, on short-term trips, but we yeah. never ended up moving our family wow. there because, yeah. I what was your wife's um, reaction to this? So when I, so maybe I should go back to, let me go back and tell you a little bit of the background and then sure. I'll get to her response. Because as I've told you, you know, she didn't grow up in a Catholic home. Mm-hmm. She grew up in a, a very 
a Jesus-loving home that loves the Word of God. They're full of the Holy Spirit. They're very mm -hmm. godly people, but definitely not from the Catholic tradition. Mm -hmm. And we met in Bible school. We were kind of on the, the same page spiritually at that time, and the Catholic thing was just a part of my history, right? So sure. it was in that, that Bible school towards the end of my time there around the year 2000 that the leaders of that Protestant church started an ecumenical movement where they're inviting in Catholics and Christians from other backgrounds and really spearheading it. And that's when we started to pray for unity in the body of Christ based out of John 17, mm -hmm. the high priestly prayer of Jesus mm -hmm. at, the, at the Last Supper. And that's when the seeds for the Catholic Church started to kind of come to life in me. Like I thought there's, there must be some, maybe there is something good hmm. in my background. That's kind of where it was at that time. And then just continued to pray that prayer of unity that led into me wanting to deepen my prayer life. I was finding an answer to that, not only in the liturgy of the church, but <clears throat> in the, uh, the saints of the church, St. Mm -hmm. John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila. There was just a, <clears throat> a hunger that was beginning to grow in my heart and it was being nourished through the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. So the Lord just kept drawing me. We moved back to Indiana around the year 2011 and, uh, I visited my baptismal parish, okay. which I had not visited in, you know, 20 plus years. Yeah. I had not been in the, the Catholic church or anything. So, but when I did, there was just this awkward feeling of, first awkward because I had been outside of the liturgy for so long mm -hmm. in the mass and, but I was also felt very much at home and I sensed the presence of Jesus there. Wow. But I still didn't recognize him fully. Mm -hmm in the Eucharist. So yeah. before I get to, you know, more of that, we'll <laughs> save that for a minute. But uh, so this is going on and I, and all of this kind of culminates in a, a revelation of Christ in the Eucharist. And I, uh, and I can tell you more of what that looked like in a minute, but I come to my wife who's at the time a praise and worship director and leader at a Protestant church. Okay. And I am very involved also in a volunteer way in the leadership and the inner workings and teaching and preaching. <laughs> wow. And I come to her and basically say, I think the Lord is calling me back home to the Catholic church. So we were in a really difficult kind of situation <laughs> at that time. Yeah. So no, it was not easy. And you'd have to hear her story too, to get the fullness <laughs> of it here, the full impact of it. But I think at the beginning, she thought I was having a midlife crisis, oh. like this spiritual crisis. What are you doing? Yeah. Kind of a, an attitude. We had a lot of conversations together. She is a, a very godly woman, very full of the Holy Spirit and very open to mm -hmm. the body of Christ. So, but there was obvious, there was some obvious, some of the same obvious struggles that, you know, you hear in a lot of testimonies like mm -hmm. this. But. I would say that the, the struggle for both of us, what it came down to was, do we really mean it mm -hmm. when we say we're gonna surrender to Jesus no matter what he asks? And it, we went through a difficult season, a lot of friction as we mm -hmm. talked through some things, but in the end, the Spirit of God moved in a, in a really beautiful way in our home. Wow. So yeah, there were some rocky seasons that led mm -hmm. to a lot of beauty. Wow. Can you, um Tell us a little bit about what that moment was for you to return back to your baptismal parish and maybe unpack that experience a little bit. As a part of the tradition, the Christian tradition that we were a part of, mm -hmm. we read scripture all the time. I mean, we read through scripture every year. This mm -hmm. was a part of it. So I'd read through scripture. It was just a yearly devotion. 
I mean, many, many times. Yeah. Uh, as the Lord was starting to draw my heart to these deeper wells of prayer in the Catholic Church. And finally, I came to the point where I was like, you know what? I need to know what the church teaches firsthand. I don't want to know it secondhand from Protestants who left the church. I don't mm-hmm. want to know it from fallen away Catholics. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. <laughs> Uh, so I bought the Catechism of the Catholic Church, mm. you know, the, the big one. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to read this. Mm. And as I started reading the Catechism, and this is around the time that I visited okay. that ba- the baptismal parish, um, the thought that kept coming to me was, I already believe all of this. Because I would look at all the footnotes and I would check the scriptures to make sure they were accurate. <laughs> and I could, I knew, I mean, I knew they were, but yeah. I would read it and I'd say, yeah, I know that that is exactly what that scripture says. Yeah. So these walls just started falling down in my heart. Mm. So I'm visiting Catholic Mass again. Mm-hmm. And I usually would go at the Saturday vigil because we had stuff to do on Sunday morning <laughs> at the, uh, the Protestant church. And every time I went, I sensed the presence of Jesus but I still didn't recognize him in the Eucharist. So my story is very much the Emmaus Road story, Luke Mm -hmm. chapter 24. So I was encountering Jesus for years through the scriptures. My heart was burning within me. And when I went back to to Mass and started to sense his presence, the the unique thing was there was a season where every time when the faithful would go forward to receive communion, I would sense a very tangible manifest like presence of the Lord mm. upon me and I was it really got my attention because I had come to know that mm. over the years through following the Holy Spirit and reading scripture but I still didn't recognize him mm. in the Eucharist I was like it, but what happened was it, it just it was like a, a hook that just kept drawing me back mm-hmm. and I couldn't get away from it so I just kept going every week I was going to mass mm. Saturday night and I would sense the same thing the presence of the Lord just in a very real way and I'd walk away kind of like internally shaking my head like Lord what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never forget the day where my eyes opened mm-hmm. and I was sitting at the back of mass after mass and I was just sitting there praying or actually forgive me it was during the consecration okay. and uh, I'd seen this now many many times you know the whole consecration and I'm sitting there and I'm looking and I'm looking at the priest who's standing in persona Christi. Yeah. And in that moment, I'm just looking at the crucifix behind him and I'm looking down at what he's doing and it's just this back and forth and I'm just prayerfully watching. And in just what I, all I can describe is like a split second of revelation, mm. my eyes opened, just like in Luke 24, you know, that says that their eyes opened in the breaking of the bread. Mm-hmm. So as I'm looking, and watching this, all of these scriptures just kind of converge in my mind. This is my body. This is my blood out of Matthew 26. What Paul says in 1 Corinthians, this is a participation in the blood of Christ, in the, bre- in the body of Christ. John chapter 6, all of these scriptures in just a split second come while I'm looking and I just sense this kind of a rush of God's love, His presence just come over me. And I, in that moment of revelation, I knew that that was Jesus. The, the verse, that, or the thought that came into my mind in that moment was, this is not about Jesus. This is Jesus. 
And then my heart just started racing because I knew what that meant. If Jesus has revealed himself to me, there's only one right response to that, mm-hmm. and that is to leave everything to follow him, which is what I had done my whole life. You know, every time he had revealed himself to me through scripture, a different area of scripture, the response was always, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do that. By your grace, give me grace, help me to follow you. Mm-hmm. And this was no different. Mm-hmm. You know, it just culminated, and I knew what that meant, and I, it definitely brought a fear and trembling from the Lord because we were very involved where we were, mm-hmm. and all of our, most of our friends were not Catholics. They were non-Catholic Christians, and my wife was working on staff. So this meant a leaving of everything to follow Jesus. So it was right after that that I, that's when I, this is where it fits, where I went into my wife soon after that and said, the the Lord's calling me back to the Catholic Church. And at the time, we were living in a a, uh, parsonage, which is kind of like a rectory, a Protestant Mm -hmm. rectory, you know, where the ministry staff, sometimes they have houses where you can live. That's a part of my wife's salary. Wow. It was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so we ha- it took a couple weeks of, I just kind of gave my wife space and I said, I just pray about this with me. Because mm. I ended up going to that priest, telling him my whole story, the story I'm telling you right now. Mm-hmm. And he said, all right, well, the next step is for you to have your marriage convalidated. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so what was, um, you know, you talk about like being immersed really in in the Protestant church and your wife is working there. Um, and, you know, f- obviously the doctrine of, of the Holy Eucharist is uh, kind of a sticking point in mm-hmm. that in that unity that uh, is desired. Um, so h- how did you go about just conveying just your own experience mm-hmm. to not only your wife, but to, to the leaders in the church, your, your friends? <laughs> Yeah, it was not easy, mm. you know, it's not easy, but, and you need the grace of grace of God. So with my wife, it wasn't as hard mm. because she was very biblically found, you know, her foundations of her life were the word of God. Mm. And to be honest, many of the, the different doctrines of the Catholic Church, she did not have an issue with. It was more of a kind of a loyalty thing of, mm. she'd been raised by her parents who were, are very godly Christ-like mm. people and um, taught the faith by them. So there was also this this uh, this feeling of, am, am I leaving everything mm. that, I w- that I ever learned? And obviously, you know, over time the Lord helped her understand that, no, it's not a leaving of everything that Jesus did, but more of a completing of it. Mm. And so with her, there was definitely struggles. You have to get her on, mm-hmm. on the podcast or something <laughs> to hear more of that story. But with her, it was actually easier. With some of the other friends, it wasn't as as easy for some of the reasons, mm. you know, that father that you just mentioned. And when when we're ingrained in a certain way of thinking, born into it, and living that way for a long time, and have certain, you know, thoughts about what we think mm-hmm. the Catholic Church teaches, and it can be hard. And I'll tell you one experience. So there was a, a leader in the church that we were part of at the time, and very close to him, still very close. I have a lot of love and respect for him. Um, very doctrinally minded. Mm-hmm. And we had a, we met at a coffee shop and we were going to just, I just felt like I needed to come clean and <laughs> tell him what was going on in my life. And I'm, I'm sharing uh, my story and that I was, I'm going to follow the Lord back into the Catholic Church. And it, 
it became very much a John chapter 6 moment, you know, where what Jesus was saying was really hard for some people to believe. And you could sense kind of the tension in the atmosphere. And it wasn't like we were yelling at each other. It was just a conversation like this. Mm -hmm. But you could sense that tension. And we get to kind of the end of my story, and he asks me a question. He says, Anthony, why are you doing this? And in the the nerves of the moment, (laughs) I just kind of like was blurting out things. And and I said, because of Jesus. And he says, well, isn't Jesus at my church? And I said, yeah, but there's more of Jesus <laughs> in the Catholic church. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of leans in and he goes, what do you mean? And I said, in the Eucharist. And he kind of, he looks at me and he, he goes, do you mean to tell me that you think that little piece of bread is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God? And it was a very tense moment. Mm. And I said, yes, in his resurrected form. And then at that point, I don't really remember much. (laughs) I remember walking out that night and getting in my car and driving away, and I just cried out to the Lord. And I said, Lord, this is serious. I need help. Because I started to, you know, feel tested. Like, am I doing the right thing? (laughs) And in that moment, in my car while I'm driving, I sensed the Holy Spirit just say to me, or I sense Jesus speak to me and say, who do you say that I am? And I said, you're the son of God. Yeah. And, and so there were moments like that, yeah. you know, along the way where what Jesus had revealed, what he had done to me was tested. And, mm-hmm. and this is true for anybody. You know, maybe, maybe people listen to this podcast and they're in the same kind of situation where in that moment of tension where mm-hmm. Jesus is drawing them into mm-hmm. the church, but there's, there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of intensity like in the, in the relationships that they have. Mm-hmm. And I would say, trust him, mm-hmm. trust him and, and follow him. He never promised that it would be easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have um, just a deep love for the Lord in, in his word and, and in the Holy Eucharist. And um, what we're obviously highlighting here is uh, the, the Lord's presence with us, especially in, in the Holy Eucharist and, and the opportunity that we have to uh, just come before him in Eucharistic adoration. Um, so when you have the uh, great opportunity to go before the Lord uh, and to pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament, what what does your time of prayer look like? It varies. You know, uh, I still am very much, uh, my, my time with the Lord is very based in Scripture. So a lot of times when I'm praying at, during Eucharistic adoration, I'll, I'll bring my Bible and I'll read the Bible or I'll, I'll pray Liturgy of the Hours, which is all scripture pretty much and but then there's other times I'll pray the rosary Mm. and other times I'm just silent and I just sit there with him and I love you know in the catechism it talks about I think it's St. John Vianney uh, talks about the peasant that comes into his church and is just looking Mm -hmm. at the Eucharist sitting there and he finally asks him you know what are you doing and he says well I'm looking at him and he's looking at me (laughs) and so the the practices and what I do there, they vary mm-hmm. from time to time. Um, but more than anything, it's just the belief that that truly is Jesus, present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, the head of the church, mm-hmm. 
the king of all kings, the lord of all lords, the boss. (laughs) (laughs) And if I have the opportunity just to, to be in his presence and who he is, starts to rub off on me mm. and I become more like him. I mean, that's the heart of just being there and that he loves me. He loves us so much. He's had so much mercy on my life over the years. He's pulled me from the gutter really and brought me to where I am today. So it's natural. Mm. I think it's, it's, it's very, maybe the most normal and natural thing just to be in his presence, to abide in him. Mm. That's what we're made for. That's what, that's what disciples do. Mm-hmm. Well, praise God for your testimony. Thank you so much, Anthony, for sharing with us. And um, I just think it's it's powerful to look at what one man's testimony in your life has done for you. And uh, I just have confidence that your testimony is impacting so many. So thank you so much for being willing to, to share your story and what the Lord has done and give him glory in this. Um, we're very, very grateful to have mm. you here. Well, thank you. It's been great. I, I, I love talking about Jesus. <laughs> it's a gift. It's a gift. Thank you for listening to the I Am Here podcast. You can read and listen to more stories of people encountering Jesus in the Eucharist at IamHere.org. And we also invite you to share your story with us. I Am Here is a campaign by the Archdiocese of Detroit and Hallow App in support of the National Eucharistic Revival.